Hello, my name is Lillian Kroc. And I am Hannah Boyens. And you have tuned in to Watch Your Cast, which is a fan podcast about the ever-popular TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, you'll have to forgive us for s- any sound issues that occur today. Um, we are using a nicer microphone than we were in our previous episode, but we are also only using one <laughs> between the two of us, so it's going to be leaning in and out. And <laughs> The sound will be an adventure, but the quality will remain ever consistent whatever quality that may be <laughs> we of hope. content. We hope. I'm attempting to get a second microphone, and maybe that'll be better, but we'll, for now, this is our situation. So here we go. So, uh, Hannah, what are we talking about today? This is the third episode of season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Witch, written by Dana Reston and directed by Stephen Craig. This is uh, the first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that actually doesn't feature any vampires in an episode. It's um, all about the the witch, as you couldn't tell by the title. Um, it's it's widely regarded as a decent episode. Like it's the first episode that aired after the pilot. Buffy wants to recapture her glory days back at Hemry High, where she is from, and get on the cheerleading squad again. And Giles does not like this fact. In a great opening shot, where um, he like he's it's like implying she joined a cult. And, like, he, she's shirking her responsibilities, and it's the worst thing that could ever happen. And then she's just joining the cheerleading squad. She said, I still want to be a slayer. So she hasn't backtracked on that character development. She's she's not in the mode anymore where she's like, I actively reject being the slayer. I don't want to do this anymore. She said, I'll do this, but I still want to hang out with my friends and have a life. So she auditions for the cheerleading squad and notices that the competition is slowly being picked off. Like, at auditions, a girl's really kicking it in the butt to some jazzy 90s (laughs) hip-hop. Whoa. And she's suddenly set on fire. Like, spontaneous human combustion. The human torch. Except it hurts, in Xander's words. And (laughs) as the episode continues, Buffy actually doesn't make the cheerleading squad, and neither does her friend Amy, who obviously is really traumatized by her mother and really pressured to make it on the cheerleading squad because her mom was the big deal back when. And then Buffy's first alternate and Amy's number two, I believe. I think. I don't remember. Cordelia makes the squad, of course, and is sure to make that as blatantly obvious as she can. (laughs) I love Cordelia because I've seen the show and I've seen Angel and I know where she goes. But goddamn, I understand when people tell me Cordelia is the worst. I don't see anything interesting about her at all. And I go back to these first few episodes and I'm like, yeah, she is a stereotype. Yeah, early Cordelia is just a trip and um, an adventure in herself. And it's kind of interesting that she does blossom a little bit at the beginning of season one, but... Um, there's not a whole lot, of, a whole lot of growth. I think season two, there's probably some more character growth too. Around the episode, um, was it out of mind, out of sight? Towards the end of this season, uh-huh. she gets better, and then yeah, season two is where she really shines. Uh, God. But anyway, continuing with the episode, uh, cheerleaders continually get picked off as Cordelia is blinded mm-hmm. in some very simple cgi editing on part of the 90s staff i think it was probably just contacts honestly maybe it was just her eyes got all frosty right yeah they just like were completely white and she right when she was taking the driver's ed test 
which I'm that's unfortunate. It's also established Cordelia can't drive very well yeah. throughout the show, so being blind on top of that is is a horror show in and of itself. Yeah, honestly. And after Cordelia is taken out, Buffy makes the squad, and she she's stricken with a blood stern vengeance spell which like hits the body hard like a pint of alcohol and then slowly deteriorates your body and your mind until it kills you and at this point Buffy and the gang realize that it's the pressured cheerleader obsessed Amy who has been casting these spells in order to get on the squad and they Giles and Buffy go to her home to talk to her mother and see if she can sort out Amy and they find out that Amy Amy's mother has switched bodies with her daughter so that she can relive her glory days as a cheerleader insert dramatic noise see the title is a play on words which like which which is which get it <laughs> Which is it? Anyway, uh, Giles, Amy, trapped in her mother's body, and Buffy all go back to the high school in order to cast a reversal spell. Because Giles, as being a watcher, is versed in some magics. And he makes the body switch back. And Buffy kicks Amy's mom. And it's great. And <laughs> that probably wasn't necessary to say. Yeah, it was. Anytime <laughs> Buffy kicks someone, it's necessary to say. So isn't Amy, there something with an axe too? There's like I mean, yeah, like Amy's when Amy's mom is inside Amy, she realizes what's about to happen. Get your mind out of the gutter, Lily. I'm sorry. Stop laughing. I'm sorry, this is serious. The wording of that just children that. are being traumatized. I'm sorry, you're right. In many ways, <laughs> maybe it could be a metaphor for that. I'm not sure. My mom is inside me. We, we have books for that. <laughs> you okay? Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, but yeah, there. as soon as Amy's mom realizes what's happening, while she's still in Amy's body, she like grabs an axe and tries to go kill Buffy. But then Giles comes through at the last second and like they switch bodies. And then Amy's mom, who's back in Amy's mom's body, tries to cast a spell on Buffy that will like get her out of the way completely. Mm. And Buffy kicks a mirror so that it blocks her from the spell and it reverberates onto Amy's mom and she disappears. And then, yeah. My favorite part of the episode where we get to the very end and they're walking and they're like, oh, we defeated the great evil. And they're walking down the hallway and the camera pans to the trophy cases with all of the old sports trophies in it. And we see the cheerleading trophy that Catherine, which is Amy's mom's mm -hmm. name, that Catherine ended up winning. And uh, it zooms in real close and we see a pair of eyes shifting inside the statue and we realize that uh, Amy's mom, Catherine, is trapped inside her ch old cheerleading statue, which I think is poetic and is never mentioned again ever Actually, yeah it is well it doesn't come back though yeah, it does, does. It? Oh, okay not like as a plot point but as like a little well sprinkling yeah, yeah. of a detail for you Buffy fans uh for those of you who haven't gotten to that point in the show yet y you might want to mute this but well yeah just skip ahead 
like a minute, I don't know. There's a point in the episode Phases where Oz is looking at the trophy case and he's like moving around and saying, hey, I'm just looking at this cheerleading trophy. You know, its eyes follow you wherever you go. <laughs> I like it. And Amy, the character, definitely comes back many oh, times. Amy she comes back, yeah. she's, kind, she's not a regular, but she is like a stock character. Oh, for sure. Well, she, she becomes pretty important later. Yeah. Like real later. Yeah, and for those of you who were wondering, now that Amy is motherless, she goes to live with her dad, who is confirmed to be a good guy, who lets her be a kid, Mm -hmm. and eat Oreos, and watch TV, and have a life, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's get into this episode a little bit, I guess. Crack it some. Well, I feel like this whole episode is just getting about the pressures that parents can lay on their children, Mm -hmm. and how sometimes they can be tempted to try to make them like they they only have their own experiences to draw from when raising a child so maybe they try treat them as a younger version of themselves when really they have to come to terms with them as individuals and this is also reflected in the subplot with Buffy and her mom because mm-hmm. the whole time Joyce is kind of trying to relate to Buffy because she just burned down a school right. and she's trying this new life new job new friends and she wants her daughter to succeed, but she doesn't know how to relate to her. Right. Well, and I think also, you know, like you said, there is that element of, like, um, parent pressuring their child to do, you know, and I feel like I feel like that's such an important um, conversation to have um, because, you know, there's uh, we're both of us were artists and, um, you know, I have very supportive parents who uh, love me and support everything that I do. And not a lot of people can say that. But because of that fact, I do think that this is a very important conversation, you know. And it's, it, it is an extreme case of, like, this mom so badly wanted her daughter to be a cheerleader so she could live vicariously through her that she, like, took over her daughter's body and went to try out for the cheerleading squad so she could be, because her daughter was, quote, like, wasting her her youth you know um and it is like you know it's fiction science fiction it's it's fantasy um but it's still like a real thing that happens you know um well a lot of people like talk about how high school are the glory days or college is the glory days these are the the times of your life and i think this episode also shows how dangerous that attitude can be because i at least personally, I believe the best time of your life should be the present you're living in. And I know Buffy's philosophy very much stresses that as well. In the first episode, seize the moment because tomorrow you might be dead. You can't constantly be looking back to your past achievements because then you're never going to grow and learn as a person. And Catherine never does. And there is a beautiful moment at the end of the episode that I think is my favorite moment when Buffy asks Joyce is like, could you, would you want to be 16 again? And Joyce is like, God, no. <laughs> Not even if it would help me relate to you. I love uh-huh. you, but no. And Buffy hugs her and says, I love you, Mom. And Joyce is just like, what just happened? <laughs> and it's just a beautiful moment because I think Joyce is... She has a lot of flaws, but she... <sighs> she just... She, Joyce tries very hard mm-hmm. um, to be a good mom. And, you know, I think she's in a tough place because she's going through a divorce and... You know, she's working this job. New move. Yeah, new move, new new place. And, you know, her daughter's a delinquent, you yeah. know. And it's just, it's it's tough, I think, for her, you know. Because 
you know, Buffy was worried about making friends, but think about Joyce. Like, Joyce wants friends so bad, and, like, we see even in future episodes, she never is very successful. At, like, every attempt at, like, having a relationship with someone just ends up being very bad. Mm-hmm. Which is so sad. I love, I love Joyce, though. <laughs> Joyce is a very lovable character. Christine Sutherland does a great job playing that duality of her, like, when she does have those outbursts of kind of being mean to her daughter like saying your own thing whatever it is got you kicked out of school and Mm -hmm. we had to find a decent school that would take you but you also see that this is coming from a place of concern and love and just trying to trying to understand it's never out of maliciousness she's never trying to hurt Buffy Mm -hmm. and I think out of this episode Buffy comes to appreciate her mom in a much much different light as an as a person coming to because part of growing up is realizing your parents are human beings with flaws and the best you can do is come to that realization without so much cynicism for sure and considering that this is you know episode three of i think this first season has 13 in it 12 12. this episode is cool because it's the um it's got a lot of firsts in it for this tv show like you mentioned um first episode with no vampires and one of eight yeah giles mentions that um the Hellmouth isn't just attracting vampires, it's attracting everything. Ghouls, werewolves, witches. Um, that also reminds me, back to the parental discussion, it struck me how much witches are paired with children. Like, almost more so than other stereotypical monsters. Like, you never expect to see a child running around with a mummy. Or, like, Frankenstein running around killing a bunch of kids. But witches always seem to be paired up with children, and I think that's because it's reflecting, like, the dark side of motherhood and, like, how, especially back in the olden times, olden times, <laughs> that, like, women who were trying to become individuals and, like, take control of themselves were seen as dangerous and mm-hmm. deadly and should be feared, especially by children. Well, and... and- women who did that were never necessarily posed as mothers um they or they were you know the the women who were like i don't want to get married or i am a powerful woman who can like write they are always in fiction shown as being like old maids or spinsters or witches or which is so unfortunate <laughs> which and like sad. i will say that the show's portrayal of witches becomes more nuanced as the show goes on but Mm. it starts in a very traditional place witch bad kill the bad witch right speaking of that this is also the very first time that witchcraft is used in this show including pyrokinesis telekinesis and body switching which i think is an interesting little factoid Mm -hmm. well it is the the third episode the first two episodes since it is buffy the vampire slayer i think they wanted to focus more on the vampire bit then, like, wait, she isn't Buffy the Witch Slayer. What? Because <laughs> that would also be bad. Because witches in this universe are human. Like, they're not born witches. It's something you learn. It's a craft. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And that also reminds me, this is, like, the first episode we see Giles take a very active role in stopping the evil. That's uh, affecting Sunnydale. Willow and Xander kind of try, and they, they help out Buffy a little bit in a supportive capacity, but mostly they're just they're trying their best and not doing very much. Uh, this well, is also yeah. the first time Xander actually, like, this is the first time he, like, actually confesses his love for Buffy. Doesn't he give her something? He gives her a bracelet that says, yours always. He he definitely backs out of it and tries to call it a friend thing. Yeah. Willow knows it's not a friend thing. 
Buffy is c- well, probably choosing to ignore. He calls the it a signs. friend thing because Buffy says, "You know, I'm so comfortable with you because you're like one of the girls." No, no, no. This was that was after he gave her the bracelet because he gave her the bracelet and she says, "Yours always?" Question mark. And he's like, "Oh no, no, no! It came like that." They all said, and then later <laughs> in the episode, when Buffy is quote unquote drunk from the spell, uh-huh. she says, "Do you know why I love you so, Xander?" And she says, you're totally one of the girls. I'm that comfy with him. Hey. And my favorite thing is Willow's expression after that. She just looks like she's having a grand old time at Xander's <laughs> expense. And Willow doesn't have enough of those moments. Although Xander does have a lot of moments at his expense. But this is one Willow gets to enjoy, and I'm happy for her. Uh, yeah, me too. Because she, she does have it bad for Xander. I don't think it's explicitly said in this episode, but the signs are all there. Oh, while we're talking about firsts, um, this is the first of many times that Giles gets knocked unconscious. Oh my god, the Giles knockout count is infamous in the fandom. We're going to keep count on this podcast, so this is number one. This is number one. In this episode. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are episodes where he gets knocked unconscious multiple times, aren't there? I'm sure. Yeah, I have to go back and definitely. watch and think about there, it. There are. I'm not going to list off specific episodes because we'll get to those when they come. But yeah, there is also one scene that to me is always baffling in this episode. It just really takes me out of the moment where they're discovering the witch's house and they're like investigating and they come across a chest with her spell book and they open the chest and this cat jumps out. And Giles is like, nice, kitty. Let's see what you're guarding. And I'm like, that cat sucks at guarding because he jumped out once. And that's the last we see of him. And it's like, there's a shot of the cat jumping out, which they use in the opening sequence of the show. And then it's a shot of Giles going, oh. And it's just, it just (laughs) doesn't work. But, and that cat sucks at guarding because it doesn't seem very mystical. It's just like cat jumps out of nowhere. We've clicked off that trope in the witch box. Go us. <laughs> this is also the first uh, episode with no deaths in it. You're right. No one technically dies in this episode. No one technically dies, though that is a pretty shitty way to go yeah. at the end of yeah. the episode. With You're the trapped ad- in a statue forever. Which, for me, that's a sign of Buffy trying to be like the early X-Files seasons, where the oh. last shot is always like a oh, it's not over yet, or like, <laughs> let's leave them wanting more on a cliffhanger, which works with the X-Files. But, I don't know, after watching the X-Files and watching Buffy, it feels like it's trying to be like that too much, and it hasn't developed its own style yet. Like, I get so sick of these cliffhangers that don't go anywhere until, like, Buffy decides, like, hey, it's okay to have a happy ending, or an ending that kind of leaves you with some philosophical questions. And it doesn't always have to be a, will this villain return next week? Will Batman save Robin from the tank of sharks? <laughs> Tune in next week. It, it, I mean, it works when I know what happens in the later seasons. But like season one, if an episode ended happy, it was like a miracle to little me. Is it time? Is it time? Is it time for dad, dad moments? moments. I think it is time. All right. So you want to go first? Uh, Sure. I can mention my favorite one since I found it on this website that I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. Uh, My favorite Giles quote in this whole episode is they're they're whining about something because when are they not whining about something? And he goes, but that's the thrill of living on the hellmouth. There's a veritable cornucopia of fiends and devils and and ghouls to engage. Pardon me for finding the glass half full. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just think that's so funny and so typically Giles and also so me. Like, that's so relatable. Mm-hmm. I love Giles with all of my heart. Well, I mean, so. after vampire after vampire after vampire, you got to get bored. And you're like, come on. I've eaten chicken for like 30 days now. <laughs> give me some give me some pork chops or let me fight a witch, you know, yeah, just yeah. to spice up life until I die. Um, my favorite Giles moment is definitely when he's taking care of Buffy when she's like almost on the brink of death Mm. and he like sticks his hands in boiling water Mm. for the spell to help her and just this episode I feel like really really helps solidify him as the dad Mm, because like and there's just okay there's a very fine line when you have an old guy carrying around a girl in a cheerleading costume uh but it it doesn't feel weird it doesn't Anthony Stewart Head has a very very respectable way about going about playing Giles. And I really admire that because it would be so freaking easy to just do the stupid wish fulfillment thing with, especially with this episode. And Giles is constantly surrounded by teenagers. And I like that it's accurate that rather than being delighted by them and feeling revived by youth, he's just annoyed as hell mm-hmm. every time he's around them. And I think my favorite moment is when. Uh, Giles like says something like I played my part after he saves Buffy and Buffy's like you saved my life you're a god and I'm just like yeah give Giles credit woo it's a it's a sweet moment what was your um, favorite part of this episode like plot wise or is there a specific moment that like you really enjoyed about this one again I really do love the moment where Buffy has the discussion with her mom at the end about would you want to be 16 again and Buffy's mom just says you know what I don't get it I I won't understand what it's like to be you. I don't understand what it's like to be 16 right now. But I will love you and I will support you and I will try to guide you. And Buffy, like, appreciates that her mom is trying to be there for her without running her life. Which is really, really unbelievably lenient of Joyce to be doing right after her daughter burned down her old school. But... And Buffy's just that smile she has when she hugs her mom and just it's a very sweet moment. And I feel like really makes their bond believable and very at least I don't know if it's relatable to everyone, but it's relatable to me. Um, I think. What about you? Yeah, I think favorite moment wise, um, I'm actually going to go a little dark for this. Um, I think. One of my favorite moments in this in this episode was um, the episode where Catherine is yelling at Amy, um, which I know sounds interesting uh, for me to pick as my favorite moment. Yeah, she's she's going on and on. How dare you raise your hand to your mother? I gave you birth. I gave up my life so you could drag that worthless carcass around and call it living. And I this I think this was this is like the first yeah we had the master in the last episode, but I think for me like this episode was the first time that there was a villain that I was actually genuinely afraid of. Like I was scared for Amy, um, and you know I've mentioned this before. I have a really good relationship with my mom, and um, you know seeing a parent be. Um, abusive to their child is just so genuinely an actually terrifyingly scary thing um and so I don't know for me that just it was like the first time I went wow this show gets real really real really fast um I don't know I just was interested that they would put that in there you know 
because not not so many shows would start talking like open dialogue about subjects like this in the third episode you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like like it has that moment where amy where Catherine is inside amy's body and goes home and you see amy trapped inside her mom's body scared to death of this woman because there's obviously some kind of like psychological abuse already and i'm assuming physical abuse like she was probably abused that way as well and just how trapped Amy feels like that house feels so enclosed and just terrifying. And then when Buffy comes in, it's, you can just see Amy's relief that she's not alone anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just feel like we don't, we don't talk about abuse enough. Um, especially between like, um, parents and their children, you know, um, and I feel like it's a really important conversation to have um, because, you know, and, and there are all kinds of abuse, not just physical abuse, you know. I think the show, in fact, goes into several forms of abuse for sure. later on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I know I personally have been emotionally abused. Um, and so it's it's just hard to know what to do in situations. And I think the fact that Amy gets out okay in the end you know, it kind of gives that, it's like a little bit of hope for people who are stuck in a situation. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people who, in when we see where Amy evolves to in later seasons, don't think back to what happened to her for mm-hmm. a long time and how that affected the way she lives her life later on and how she makes the decisions she makes because everybody's got something. Mm-hmm. We just got to pray that we learn from it. Yeah. So, um... We did get pretty heavy there for a second. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Um, hey, this show gets heavy, so it does, we get heavy. It does get heavy. So um, we are not finished yet, but um, we've mentioned abuse quite a bit um, in this episode because uh, it's very it's a pretty prevalent theme in this episode of Buffy, uh, pretty heavy stuff for only three episodes in. So uh, in the description of this episode, I'm going to put um, a phone number for an abuse hotline. So if anybody needs help, or um, you need that in your life, please reach out uh, and contact somebody who can help you get out of a situation that you feel like you can't get out of because it's, it's really bad. It, being abused is really hard, and getting out of an abusive situation is even harder, and there are people who can help you with that. On a lighter note, how great was drunk Buffy cheerleading? Oh, my she God. She throws a girl across the room with her slayer strength. Sarah Michelle Gellar just looks like she's having a grand old time. Uh, what else does she do? Just, I relate to that so much about how, like, everyone's pristine and they're doing the moves exactly. And I'm like, I just want to wave my head around and just do my own thing. And it's great. <laughs> macho, macho, man. It's, it's That so would be much me on watch. a cheerleading squad. Like, yeah. I would be Buffy in this situation. Oh, my God. And this is actually, I think, the last time we see Buffy chasing her cheerleading dreams. Which I'm okay Is with. Is it really the last time? I think so. Like, we see Cordelia on the cheerleading squad oh, quite well, a lot. Oh, duh, because Cordelia. Yeah, she, she is back on the squad by the end of the the episode. There is one line. You can tell the writers are having kind of poking fun at cheerleaders, which I have nothing but respect for cheerleaders. I've just never been involved in that world. Yeah, yeah. And I don't understand it as much. If you would like to educate me, please do it nicely. <laughs> if not, okay. <laughs> Be mean. But they say, like, I'll miss the thrill of spelling words with my arms. But (laughs) Cordelia, like, again, as she evolves, like, we realize, like, 
these cheerleaders, like, in this episode are amazing. Mm-hmm. The choreography alone it's in the really first good. scene is amazing, yeah. Like, I'd rather watch the, the cheerleaders we don't really, who don't get lines, because they seem to be the best at dancing. Yeah, honestly. Like... There are times when I'm watching those girls and I'm like, why is Cordelia even there? Like these... <laughs> She was actually, Charisma Carpenter, the actress, was a Laker girl. Yeah. I, really? Yeah. I actually did not know that. She's like, I, I don't think she had much acting experience before then. I think she'd done a couple commercials mm-hmm. and stuff, but she was a Laker girl before that. Yeah. Crazy. I think. I'm going to look that up, so we might have to edit that out. That's but okay. I'm, Google I'm 80% it. I'm 80% sure. She was not a Laker girl. She was a San Diego che- Charger cheerleader. Yeah, it's close enough. And she had been on a couple soap operas, too, before the show. Mm. So she has had some acting experience. But, yeah, she was a cheerleader. So you can kind of see that. She's pretty, too. She's, uh, oh, my God. Charisma Carpenter is gorgeous. Oh, my God. She's the same age as my dad. What? How's that feel? What? How's that feel? She and my dad were born in the same year. Do you know how old she was? You know how I mean that means she was, like, in her 30s. No, she was in her 20s. Well, it was 1970. That's when she was born? That, yeah. So she was 27. God. What? That's crazy. Yeah. She and my dad are the same age. How crazy is that? Get them, get those crazy kids That's together insane. and they can talk about what it was like being born in the same oh, year. Oh, God. Well, she's actually a little older than him because he was born in October and she was born in July. Oh, never mind. The age difference is the too, age difference is too big. Too great. They can't be friends now. <laughs> so we don't... There's no angel in this episode. No, there isn't any angel in this episode. I kind of forgot about him. I think the episode did too, because there's really no mention. Even with Xander's like s- trying to woo Buffy, yeah. there's no real mention of angel that I can think of. No, he I, might I don't mention it either. once or twice. Well, and it's funny because they made such a big deal out of him in the last two episodes, and then I mean, not really. He was pretty prevalent though, as far as the plot goes. Not really. He gave her a necklace well, yeah. and like said, "Wow, she did it! I'll be damned." <laughs> well, and they introduce this mysterious character though, but they don't like. It takes them a while to get to tying up those knots. <laughs> yeah, Stop! Time. That's not what I meant. No, no, no! I I didn't mean it to be dirty. I meant like, really? No, I meant like tying the knot, like tying the knot, like, like marriage. No, I don't know. Like relationship, I don't know. Like climbing a rope. <laughs> like. Tying a string on like a box. wrapping a present, yes. <laughs> like tying your shoes. Like locking like those lips. Tying Lip locking. Up loose ends. Tongues getting tied together. I was Make going in a different direction. But you, you. Sorry, that's not even my ship. That's your ship. I do love Bangel. Like. I can't help it. It's Young Me's first real epic romance mm. that I ever saw. No, that's not even my favorite ship on this show. Okay, that's fair. We but can't talk about my favorite I, ship on this My show ships yet. change based on where I'm at in the season, mm. except for one ship, which I will never ship. Rhymes with styly. <laughs> wait. Wait, 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 wait. I hate Buffy and Riley. I hate Riley. Oh, shh. We're not there yet. Styly? It's rhymes with Styly. Oh, rhymes it's with his styly. name is Riley, and okay. it rhymes with Styly. Yeah, I'm Dr. Seuss. Um, <laughs> anyway, but Buffy no, and for Angel. for some reason, my first thought was Giles and someone else, and I was like, who? What? Styly? Nah. I kind of ship Giles with someone. But we'll, we'll get there. It's none of the teenage characters. None no. of the teenage characters. Not about that. Don't. That's Don't illegal. Do that. Don't do that. That's illegal. 
Do you have anything else you want to talk about for this episode? Uh, for this episode, I will say that, you know, it's it's getting season one off and rolling. I We talked a lot about some serious issues that Buffy's going into, but we still have a long way to go mm. before we can get to actual deep stuff. I feel like this is more us projecting. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's a good episode. It's decent. It's 90s. It's very 90s. But also, I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who celebrated Buffy's 20th anniversary. I really enjoyed reading your content and just watching the essays roll in. It was really awesome. Yeah, happy 20th anniversary to this stupid show that we make a podcast about. How awesome is that? Like, it's 20 years old, and 20 years later, here we are still talking about it. I'm sorry, my mind went blank when you called it stupid, and now it's just playing pure white noise. (laughs) I called it stupid out of love. I know. But the white noise is continuing. Uh, you know, here's the thing is that I, I fall, I've fallen in love so deeply with something that I am spending time that I should be studying for finals recording podcasts. Me too. And like, I to me, that's crazy. And I love every second of it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I know too. A couple of my friends were actually watching the end of season one last night. And um, I... I have a problem where I, sometimes I try to justify so much what they have to do and like not call it a cheat or because I'd like to think I'm a I'm not objective. I'm definitely not. <laughs> but I, if they do something really wrong that I can't justify, I, I will admit to it, mm-hmm. hopefully, or I'm learning to. No, I, I, I think you're pretty good about that. I mean, but the, the, the thing about the show is they don't really do anything like truly wrong. I mean, they, there is there's a couple tropes later that I don't agree with, but you know, uh, there's a way certain types of abuse are depicted that do cause contention. That too. There, I mean, there are some things that are are very fictionalized and kind of blown out of proportion. And but I actually appreciate that because uh, I'll I'll end on saying this: depicting like controversial issues can can dip so easily into the realm of sensationalization. I will say that Glee. And American Horror Story did it some at some points with um, sometimes school shootings where it just didn't. It felt like they were doing it just to do it. It didn't really feel like it was saying much. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. I, I will read essays on the subject. I'm willing to be educated. I just Buffy the way it depicts things. It's it seems to be starting a conversation. It doesn't want to. It doesn't want to say this is what it is. This is the only thing it is, and we're gonna have an abuse episode because that's what we're gonna do. Because it fits in this universe because the monsters represents demons we all face. And abuse is definitely one of them. And the fact that a show can start these conversations and leave it up to you to decide what was right and what was wrong through the medium of a superhero, I think, is very important in our media. And there you have it. I want to give a big shout out and a huge thank you to my new and very good friend, Noelle, from um, Dames and Dragons, which is a... D&D actual play podcast. Uh, it is phenomenal. It is so good. Um, the girls are just, all of them are so funny and kind. Um, our podcast would not even be a thing without Noelle's help. She helped me figure out how to get my podcast on iTunes. So, Noelle, thank you. I owe you my life. Thank you so much, Noelle. I, I don't know you, but I hope to get to know you as a friend soon. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, I talk to you incessantly. I talk about you incessantly to Hannah. I all the time rave about how cool you are. So, thank you. Um, and please listen to Dames and Dragons. They finished all of their first arc. Um, and they did a really hilarious Q&A episode. It was very cute. 
Um, and their new arc starts on May 1st, so check them out. It's going to be real good. Please do. I enjoy dragons and dames. Dames and dragons, all of the above, and, and D&D. I also want to give a quick shout out and a quick thanks to buddy friend pal for leaving us a review on iTunes. Um, not sure who that is. Uh, I have a feeling of a couple people it could be, but... Um, any rates or um, reviews you can leave us on iTunes is super, super appreciated. Um, it takes two seconds out of your day. You just click on our podcast and write a quick review. Um, feel free to leave us as many stars as you want. You know, of course, five stars is appreciated. But if you don't think we deserve it, then tell us what you think about our show and tell everyone else what you think about our show. Because um, the only way we can get our podcast out there to people is if you... Um, by word of mouth because you know we we're poor college students and we don't do anything to advertise this show besides share it with people uh and and that kind of thing so uh if you would like to follow us and stay updated with what we're talking about we you can find us on facebook you can find us on twitter and tumblr under watcher cast um and on facebook we're um watcher cast and unofficial buffy podcast or you can go to our um, studio, which is LunarLightStudio.com. We also, for that, for Lunar Light Studio, we also have a Facebook, a Twitter, a Tumblr, uh, all of that. Patreon, please donate and support to us on Patreon. That'll help us um, get some better equipment. Uh, and also motivate us to do some more projects. We've got some things in the works right now. Um, I briefly mentioned that uh, we've been considering doing a Steven Universe podcast. Um, hopefully uh, next year... Maybe uh, next school year for sure, but probably around January, we would plan on start publishing a um, Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. Uh, and, you know, I've got some other friends doing some stuff, some little one minute podcasts some things like that. So there's a lot of great stuff coming um, from Lunar Light Studios. So keep in touch with us and keep updated with what's going on because we've got a lot of good content coming for you guys. Um, so we're going to sign off. So my name is Lillian Crock. I'm Hannah Boyens, Buffy superfan. <laughs> and you've been listening to WatcherCast, and have a great day. Look out for strange cheerleader statues. <laughs> We've got to come up with a sign-off. Like I like that one. Look out for strange cheerleader statues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's got to be some kind of like slogan if or If the meme. apocalypse comes, beep us. There we go. That's a, I love it. <laughs> you got vamps! <laughs> I just... I can't say the rest. No, do it. Say it. Do it. You got pamps. We're your tramps. <laughs> okay. We are not ever using that.